You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. This podcast is designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. The information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Where a client wishes to make a personal tax-deductible contribution to super, they're going to need to ensure that any contributions are within their concessional contribution cap to avoid potential adverse tax outcomes. However, there are two other effective limits on these contributions which are important to be aware of, including that they are effectively limited to a client's assessable income, less other deductions. My name is Craig Day. I'm the head of the First Tech team and here to discuss this common issue we find with people claiming tax deductions for their contribution is Tim Sanderson, one of my senior technical services manager. G'day, Tim. Hi, Craig. Great to be here. Now, so Tim, we all know that personal deductible contributions are concessional contributions, as I've just been through in the intro, um, and they're subject to a concessional contribution cap currently of $27,500. But what I was saying in the intro is that there are a number of other of other effective limits on personal deductible contributions that advisors also need to be aware of. So can you outline the first effective cap? Yeah, so the first one is um, the client's effective tax-free threshold. Um, and so each dollar of, uh, as we know, each dollar of a personal deductible contribution uh, that a client makes provides a tax deduction that saves them their marginal rate of tax, but generally costs them 15% in contributions tax. Um, Now, the effective tax-free threshold is um, the maximum amount of taxable income a person can earn without having to pay income tax. Um, So making a personal deductible contribution that goes below that is really saving them nothing, but generally costing them 15 cents in the dollar. Okay, but Howard, due to a number of different tax offsets that apply these days, different people are going to have different tax-free thresholds, aren't they? Can you summarise? Yeah, that's right. So when we say effective tax-free threshold, we're talking not just about the statutory $18,200 threshold for residents, but also Mm -hmm. um, the impact of any additional tax offsets that the client might be entitled to. Now, they'll vary depending on a client's situation. But some of the common cases, so for example, someone who's only entitled to the low income tax offset and lower middle income tax offset for this year um, and no other tax offsets uh, and they're Mm. a resident, their effective tax-free threshold will be 25,436. Now, when Lomito ceases on 1 July 22, um, that will become 21,884 for the 22-23 financial year. There are other tax offsets which can impact that. So if a client's entitled also to the seniors and pensioners tax offset, then a higher effective tax-free threshold may apply. But it does get more complicated with seniors and pensioners tax offset because that's based on rebate income, um, which includes certain super contributions, um, not just taxable income. And I I think it's important to note, look, there's nothing stopping a client claiming a deduction in this situation. unlike what we'll talk about next, but it just means that uh, contributions tax will apply to an amount that would have otherwise been tax-free to the extent that you go down below the effective tax-free threshold. And 
look, generally in that case, a non-concessional contribution would be more appropriate and beneficial. Okay. So generally not good to make personal deductible contributions that take the taxable income below the effective tax-free threshold. But what if a client just wants to maximise their super contributions overall? Maybe they've already maxed out their non-concessional contributions and still want to get more in and are prepared to pay a bit more tax to achieve that. So in that case, is there a statutory limit on these contributions, which could prove a trap? You know, is there a, is there a second threshold is essentially what I'm saying? Yeah, there is. And, and you make a good point. Like some people, even though it may cost them more to get the super contributions in, they may still want to maximise their concessional contributions just to maximise their superannuation. So that's where it is important to also be aware of this other limit. And it, it really is, um, it becomes kind of like a statutory limit on these contributions. So, um, in terms of the tax deduction for personal super contributions, unlike many other tax deductions, um, which can exceed a client's overall taxable income and potentially create a tax loss, a tax deduction for personal super contributions is not allowable to the extent that it would do that. And so what that means in practice is the amount of deduction a client can claim in an income year for a personal contribution is really limited to their assessable income after reducing that by pretty much all other tax deductions that they're entitled to. All right, can you give me a simple example? Yep, sure. So let's say I had $15,000 of assessable income for the current financial year, and I've got $5,000 worth of tax deductions related to work expenses, let's say. Um, The maximum personal tax deductible contribution I'd be able to make um, for this financial year would be the 15,000 in assessable income less the 5,000 of other deductions. So $10,000 is is the maximum deduction I can claim for my super contributions. Okay, but what if I've already made a $27,500 personal contribution and submitted a valid notice of intent for the whole of that amount, right? So it's all gonna be a concessional contribution. And then you find out that your assessable income less other deductions is only $10,000. So what's gonna happen then? Yeah, and that's that's not going to be super uncommon, is it? You might have people making these contributions thinking their assessable income is going to be higher mm-hmm. um, and the yep, income's absolutely. quite variable. At the end of the year, they realise it's only $10,000. So what would happen in that situation if that had happened to me? I could still claim $10,000 of my contribution as a deduction and the ATO would treat that part as a concessional contribution. But with the remaining $17,500 there, the ATO is going to say, the, the ATO is going to say that's not a deductible contribution. We're treating it as a non-concessional contribution. That's going to count towards your non-concessional cap. And so probably one thing that could be done there would be to avoid the 15% contributions tax applying to that extra 17500 of the contribution. I could go back to my super fund and vary my original notice of intent down to $10,000. Um, but it is important to note that that variation um, would need to be done prior to a number of different things occurring, like commencing an income stream, uh, rolling the contribution out of the fund or withdrawing the contribution from the fund. Okay, so for some clients who've, you know, who part of their personal contribution is denied as a deduction by this rule, they may also inadvertently trigger non-concessional contribution cap issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's probably the key trap in this area. 
So for example, let's take a client who's age 62, they've already retired and they're receiving, um, they're, really their only income is a reasonably high level of income for an, from an account-based pension. And they want to maximise their super as much as possible. So in the current year, they've made $330,000 worth of contributions under the non-concessional bring forward rule. Plus, they've also done $27,500, which they intend to claim as a tax deduction, and they submit a valid notice of intent for that. Um, and then at tax time, they'll have no assessable income because all of their account-based pension payments, they're over 60, so they're all going to be non-assessable, non-exempt income. And so assuming no other income, they can't claim any of their personal contribution as a deduction. So in that situation, the ATO is going to count the 27500 contribution as a non-concessional. And because they've already used up their non-concessional cap, they're going to have excess non-concessional of 27500 um, And they're going to then need to go through the, the regular excess non-concessional uh, contributions determination and release process with the ATO. And I suppose the thing to think about there is that even if you made that personal deductible contribution, let's say on the 30th of June, they're actually now going to say, ah, no, you actually, for the purpose of figuring out your deemed earnings amount for your, your excess non-concessional contribution rules, they're actually going to assume that you made that not on the last day of the financial year, but the first day of the financial year. Yeah, so, so it's going to be all the yeah reasonable period of uh, earnings during that yeah, time. Well, if you were then to assume that they issued the excess determination, let's say December at the end of the year, then now you've got 18 months worth of deemed earnings and, you know, at the general interest charge rate of currently about 7.5%, 8%, 18 months of earnings instead of six months of earnings. So, you know, it's, it's a good, good one not to get wrong. Okay, in summary, prior to making any sort of personal deductible contribution, we need to think about, first of all, our effective tax-free threshold to make sure our contribution is tax-effective. Yep. Um, and also what our assessable income is likely to be. And in that case, I suppose we've got to think about, you know, the level of our concessional contributions. Um, actually, that's really important So, or interesting that concessional contributions, we're kind of thinking about that as $27,500, but it could potentially be a lot bigger figure these days because we've got those bring forward concessional contribution cap rules. Or carry yeah, forward. That, that, that's forward. right. I mean, you, you might have a, an eligible client, um, you know, potentially making a personal deductible contribution of $100,000, for example, this yeah. financial year. And in the context of those larger sort of personal deductible contributions, I think that limit of limiting your contribution to assessable income becomes that much more important or comes into play a lot more when considering those contributions. Yeah, because you could easily not only take it down below your effective tax rate threshold, you could potentially very easily blow out all of your, your taxable income and put yourself in a tax loss position, which is exactly what we're talking about, yep. in which case, you know, a potentially a large part of your deduction would be denied. Yep, absolutely. All right, cool. I think that probably covers everything, so we might leave it there. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during this podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. 
you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.